With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandsLots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Now it's time for the sports news for Sunday, September 24th, 2023. And your reader today is Jerry Clem. As a reminder, Radio Eye is a reading service intended for people who are blind or who have other disabilities that make it difficult to read printed material. From Sports Illustrated, The Price of Shame. Northwestern's hazing scandal is the latest in a long run of big-time athletic disgraces. How much does an affair like this end up costing a school? We break down the numbers by John Wortham. The saying in academia goes like this. The battles are so vicious because the stakes are so low. Presumably, it comes with an exception for the fierce fights involving a school's athletic department. In that corner of the university, the stakes aren't low at all, especially when it comes to the fallout from a scandal. It was a typical Friday news dump. Late in the morning on July 7th, a small item crawled across the screens and perhaps popped up on news alerts. Northwestern football coach Pat Fitzgerald received a two-week suspension in midsummer, coinciding with the weeks he was supposed to take vacation after an investigation into a complaint about hazing within his program. Nothing to see here, folks. But of course there was. By the end of the weekend, after a damning, detailed story in the student newspaper, The Daily Northwestern, school president Michael Schill declared he had been hasty in dispensing such a light punishment and had an epiphany, his word, when addressing the team, multiple sources tell Sports Illustrated about his decision-making. By Monday, Fitzgerald, a star wildcat in the 1990s and a head coach since 2006, had been relieved of his duties. A welter of other hazing accounts began to surface. Like a rock thrown in Lake Michigan, the scandal ripped out, rippled out. Fitzgerald was soon stood accused of overseeing a culture, not just of hazing, but also one of racism, and of sexual misconduct. Details about the football team's hazing rights, some of them sexualized, others physically abusive, came to light in interviews and lawsuits. Other Northwestern sports programs and coaches were implicated. Though the school framed it as unrelated, within three days of Fitzgerald's firing, baseball coach Jim Foster was terminated after a separate investigation found sufficient evidence that he had engaged in bullying and abusive behavior. Three of his former staffers have since sued the university. Complaints of bullying lodged in a lawsuit by an NU volleyball player also surfaced, as did a 2015 book written by NU's newish athletic director, arrived in 2021, Derek Gag, with a chapter titled, Women, Our Greatest Distraction. Fitzgerald has denied any knowledge of the hazing, and Foster has denied any wrongdoing. Schill and Gregg referred to past statements condemning hazing, 
but declined further comment on the matter. The university has said it does not comment on pending litigation, but that it is working to improve its athletic culture. It also says the volleyball incident was dealt with appropriately at the time and that the basketball lawsuit lacks merit. More than a month after the initial Friday's news dump, there persisted a steady drumbeat of headlines, assertions, denials, counter-assertions, impromptu statements, delicately crafted statements, and, inevitably, lawsuits. It has all come at a considerable expense. To the survivors, to the school's reputation, to the fabric of the community, and, of course, to the balance sheet of the football program in particular, and the school in general. But what is the potential economic impact of a contemporary college sports scandal, of bad behavior unaddressed, and then a crisis clumsily addressed? You're looking at nine figures of cost associated with this, says Scott Rosner, a professor who leads the sports management program at Columbia, and probably closer to mid than low. As a private school, NU isn't required to disclose its finances or respond to open records requests. But by analyzing scandals that have befallen public schools in the same conference, Michigan State, Ohio State, and Penn State, we can extrapolate. Based on those figures and interviews with six well-placed Northwestern sources, each requesting anonymity, any projection that the scandal will have a $100 million price tag appears if anything, to be conservative, considering that many areas its fallout will ripple into a rough price breakdown. Facilities, $80 million. Shill is not a product of the sports ecosystem. The NU president likes to recount how, when he was an undergraduate at Princeton, he would lose himself in the library on Friday nights. Shill would become a dazzling legal scholar specializing in housing. His research often focused on how closely the real estate we own or not and the state of our neighbors correlate with life opportunities. Which is to say that while not a sports fan per se, Shill surely had a special appreciation for the 2022 announcement that the Patrick and Shirley Ryan family would be contributing nearly $500 million to Northwestern with a healthy chunk earmarked for a new best-in-class football stadium. While Northwestern has, since the 1890s, been a member of the Big Ten, a conference that now rewards its schools with upwards of $60 million annually for media rights, its basketball and football teams often lag, in part due to the school's high academic standards that hampered recruiting. A first-rate football stadium, however, would help NU compete. As Schill's research thesis attests, upgraded real estate would likely lead to greater prosperity. Since the announcement of the Ryan gift, other donors have joined, and the cost of the new stadium has soared to $800 million. Though the project is working through an Evanston City Council and still short of all approvals, the school was already inquiring about playing games at Soldier Field and Wrigley Field due to construction, according to a person close to the program. But a crisis has a way of destabilizing the ever-teetering stack of interest that undergird massive projects. Within days of the news of the hazing scandal, a group of Northwestern professors asked the school to stop the planning of the project 
until this crisis is satisfactorily resolved. These faculty members reasoned that the athletic department needed to get its existing house in order before expanding it. Schill responded with an interview in the Daily Northwestern, saying, Ryan Field needs to be resolved on its own merits and based upon the benefits that it will create for the community versus the costs that will occur. This, however, presupposes the donors, including the Ryan family, remain enthusiastic about their donations. Northwestern has an uncommonly large board of trustees with 70 members, and attempting to divine the mindset of the Ryan family, which declined multiple requests for comment, has become something of a parlor game. According to a source closely tied to recent deliberations among NU trustees, the Ryan family has long supported Fitzgerald. So much so that an architect's rendering of the upgraded Ryan Field featured a statue of the two-time All-American during his playing days. The family has always liked Fitzgerald, liked that he went to Northwestern, liked that he played football, liked that he was a Chicago kid, and even that he's Irish. The person who says this says that a source suggests that Fitzgerald's firing and subsequent damage control the family perceives as clumsy. The Ryans are maybe not exactly fired up to get this built with the current leadership in place. Another board of trustees source, however, tells SI they believe the Ryan family remains fully committed to this legacy play. If the school or the donors take the dramatic step of canceling the project, the scandal's bottom line will really change. For the time being, uncertainty leads to delays, and delays tend to add to an average of 10% to budget projections of large-scale projects. In this case, in the likely event that the fallout from the hazing scandal materially alters the timetable, the math would work out to roughly $80 million in additional costs. Independent legal investigation, $10 million. Northwestern first learned of allegations late last November when a football player left an anonymous account with the athletic department's compliance office. Within days, the school took the conventional first step of retaining an outside law firm to conduct an independent investigation. The university hired the white shoe firm of Errant Fox Schiff. Leaving aside the ethical question of whether an investigation can truly be independent when one interested party is footing the bill, this service does not come cheap. Industry sources tell SI that fees can run as high as $1,500 an hour per lawyer. Northwestern has controversially declined to make the full errant Fox shift report public, releasing only a summary. The report was completed in June and entailed more than 50 interviews and reviewing of 100 to 1,000 of emails and player survey data dating back to 2014, which suggests thousands of build hours. In 2018, Ohio State hired the Seattle-based Perkins Coy law firm to conduct an investigation into sexual assault allegations lodged almost by former athletes against Richard Strauss, 
a longtime faculty member and Buckeye's team doctor, who was also a serial sexual predator. The cost to OSU of the damning investigation was $6.2 million. The initial Northwestern hazing investigation was less time-consuming and less sweeping than Ohio State. Let's estimate it at $5 million. Then on August 1st, the school announced that former U.S. Attorney General Loretta Lynch, now at the prominent global law firm Paul Weiss, the same firm responsible for the $2.5 million NFL Deflategate investigation, will lead an independent, independent review of the processes and accountability mechanisms in place at the university to detect, report, and respond to potential misconduct in its athletic programs, including hazing, bullying, and discrimination of any kind. It will also assess the culture of Northwestern's athletics and its relationships to its academic mission. Buyout and search fees, $30 million. Fitzgerald 48 was two seasons into a deal that paid him a reported $5.75 million a year through 2030, a balance of more than $40 million. When the school fired him on July 30th, Shill's open letter noted a broken culture in explaining his reason for dismissal. Subtext, Fitzgerald not only had to go, but he violated his contractual duty to run a safe program. Fitzgerald wasted little time responding, instructing his agent and his attorney, former U.S. attorney Dan Webb, to take the necessary steps to protect my rights in accordance with the law. As with so many employment law cases, Fitzgerald's likely will hinge on whether he was fired for cause. If so, Fitzgerald would not be entitled to compensation, as he would be deemed to have violated his employment contract. In the absence of cause, he would not be reinstated, but Northwestern would be deemed to have breached the employment contract and be obligated to fulfill the remaining balance. There are no bright lines here. Fitzgerald's lawyers might seize on the fact that Northwestern initially felt wrongdoing merited only a two-week suspension without pay. Then after much public outcry, but scant new evidence, the school took a much harsher stance. Sources in the Fitzgerald camp tell SI that the coach's suit would also likely make reference to well-paying opportunities he chose not to pursue at Texas and USC and seek damages for lost future income. In asserting the firing was for cause, Northwestern might point to new evidence that has emerged, as more players have come forward to say that Fitzgerald was aware of the hazing, many describing a similar hostile environment, or that it strains credulity to think that most successful, the most successful player in school history and the most successful coach in school history would be oblivious to long-running rituals within the program or that for all the general support the former coach has received from players, past and present, no one has emerged to agree specifically with Fitzgerald's assertion that he had no knowledge of the hazing. More likely still, this matter will not go to trial. A discovery phase could make both public parties' texts, emails, and conversations open, and the likelihood of embarrassment on both sides is considerable. Discovered material could severely challenge Fitzgerald's pursuit of another coaching job 
It also could impose damage on the reputation of Northwestern and its administrators. Using history as our guide, the sides will reach in a, a settlement with non-disparagement clauses and offset clauses if Fitzgerald gets another commensurate coaching job for some, not all, of the remaining balance on his contract. Let's round it out to $20 million. Then there are the fees, including the search fee that will attend finding Fitzgerald's successor. Defensive coordinator David Braun was named interim head coach. He arrived earlier this year from North Dakota State and is thus untainted by past culture. But is Northwestern willing to make a long-term bet on someone who never been a college head coach and who got the interim job only by unlikely battlefield promotion? If not, given the residual broom and dustpan duties and transfer portal exodus wrought by the scandal, Northwestern will likely have to pay above market rates for its next coach. And it has already hired Skip Holtz, likely mid-six figures, with his 22 years of NCAA head coaching experience as a consultant to support Braun. And what that of Greg, the embattled AD, has been harshly criticized, not least for failing to return immediately from a leisure trip to Europe when the scandal erupted. Scheel has publicly supported Craig, but with multiple NU coaches already fired and his controversial writings about booty-shaking sex kittens or materialistic gold diggers imperiling male athletes, Craig's leadership has been undermined. If he does not get canned, however, it won't likely be for cause. Thus, the school will owe him the balance of his contract, roughly $1 million annually, sources say. Craig has returned from Europe as soon as it was practical, he says, and that he rejects that his book casts women in an unfavorable light and that sections of his book have been taken out of context. Likewise, Scheel has been widely criticized for his crisis management, such as it is. If he does not survive this scandal, while his salary is not a matter of public record, we can extrapolate. Almost a decade ago, the Chronicle of Higher Education reported that NU's president at the time, Scheel's predecessor, Morton Shapiro, earned an annual salary of $2.35 million. Scheel came to NU from running the University of Oregon, where, according to public records in 2022, he was earning $780,000 in addition to retirement contributions, a vehicle stipend, a residence, and other amenities. Assume conservatively Shill's deal pays him $2 million annually, and as, a president, and as presidents often do, he signed a five-year pact. Shill may not have handled this scandal and messaging gracefully, but it's hard to make a case he could be fired for cause. As such, NU might be on the hook for another 8 to $10 million. Victim settlements, $25 million. Not unpredictably, within days of firing Fitzgerald and additional reporting about hazing rituals adversely impacting Northwestern and particularly targeting athletes of color, lawyers began filing lawsuits against the school on behalf of former athletes. Soon, the prominent civil rights attorney, Ben Crump, arrived on the scene. 
After likening the scandal to college sports' Me Too movement, Crump announced that dozens of former NU football, baseball, and softball players had contacted his office. A day later, he revealed that he would be representing an initial class of 12 former NU athletes. A day after, there were 15 plaintiffs. Other plaintiffs have signed up with other lawyers, and the list continues to grow. Stephen Levin, senior partner at Levin and Perconti Firm, is working with Crump. He says we hope that maybe Northwestern will come to the table and say, you know, let's see what we can do here. What would that look like? In other recent college sports scandals, some schools have settled. Others have chosen to litigate the claims made against them. Public records indicate that Penn State has paid more than $118 million to the survivors assaulted by former football assistant Jerry Sandusky. In 2018, Michigan State agreed to a $500 million settlement with hundreds of survivors of sexual abuse from the former team doctor Larry Nasser, an average of more than $1 million per athlete. Though more than 200 claims are still pending, Ohio State has reached a settlement with nearly 300 survivors in the Strauss scandal, averaging roughly $250,000 per person. Unsavory and inexact as it is to compare scandals, given the fact patterns, the Northwestern allegations align more closely with OSU's than they do with the scandals at Penn State or Michigan State. Let's say 100 former NU athletes settle each claim for $250,000. That will add $25 million to the school's ledger. Additional legal fees, $20 million. Most colleges and universities, Northwestern included, have their own general counsel and legal departments. But when beset by a sprawling scandal that makes national news, the schools tend to outsource the legal work to outside counsel. That is, large private firms that do everything from crafting settlements to crisis management to negotiating with insurance companies. Ohio State, for instance, has employed multiple local and national law firms to defend claims of its former athletes in the Strauss scandal. The most cursory findings and filings in that matter list multiple lawyers, suggesting tens of thousands in legal fees for even minor motions. Consider the sheer volume of litigation Northwestern faces, the claims of alleged victims, wrongful termination claims, the real estate claims stemming from any delay of the Ryan-led construction project, the general crisis management. The school is looking at a huge price tag in outside legal bills. Note, too, that former athletes have sued not just NU, but also individual defendants, coaches, administrators, and Jim Phillips, the previous athletic director, who is now ACC commissioner, and who has denied knowledge of the hazing. Because the claim against the individuals came within the scope of their employment at NU, the school likely will be responsible for those legal bills as well. Decline in donations. Decades after the fact, collegiate athletic departments still talk about the Flutie effect. In the mid-80s, Doug Flutie's heroics at, as, as Boston, College, Boston College's quarterback elevated the entire school. School spirit swelled. Application soared. So did alumni contributions. This is still referenced 
when athletic departments make the case that success in sports rebounds to the entire university. By extension, one might reason that the converse holds true. That is, a sports scandal will harm applications and donations, but the data is at best inconclusive. When, for instance, Stanford decided to, to cut 11 varsity sports in the face of the pandemic, it triggered lawsuits and considerable backlash, especially among alumni. But this was not to the detriment of undergraduate applications nor contributions, both of which hit records highs. In the end, Stanford reversed pos its position and kept the sports program, citing an improved financial picture with increased funding potential. Multiple sources tell SI one reason Northwestern's scandal has been so untidy is that the board of trustees, many of them the school's biggest donors, including Ryan, opinions run the gamut. Some remain deeply supportive of Fitzgerald and disapprove of Schill's handling of the matter. Others are proud of the school for taking what they view as a principled stand against the bullying and removing a coach who in their minds oversaw a culture of toxic masculinity in a pocket of the university that already wielded too much power. If the first group might be inclined to reduce their donations, the second group might be inclined to increase theirs. One suspect that the same fault lines exist for the entire base of alumni donors. For all the divides within the NU community, there is some common ground. There is little disagreement that the school has suffered for its bungled messaging and a breakdown in the public relations apparatus, and that it has suffered for its academic re reputation. If this hazing happens at another Power 5 school, is it even a story? asked one former NU varsity athlete. Because it's Northwestern, it adds to the shock factor. In all, SI's estimate for the total account of Northwestern's hazing scandal is $165 million. Yet if the school's prestige has kindled this debacle, it will also enable the school to get through it. Sources tell SI that Northwestern has considerable insurance that will help defray some of the costs associated with the scandal, but nearly not all. And the insurance companies are likely to put up a fight. The school also has $14 billion in endowment, one of the dozen or so largest in the country. As much attention as the scandal has generated, the athletic department is not the front porch of the school, the way it is at other universities. Scandals, especially at academically elite institutions, have a way of revealing the cracks in the foundation, says Rosner. They can be fixed. It's just that the repair isn't cheap. The Vault in Our Stars by Stephen Canella. The biggest stars make the most money. Eh, that's not news. But they also drive a larger sports economy creating wealth and value for anyone associated with them. Case in point, the instant impact Lionel Messi had when he joined MLS this summer. Two times, the effect Inter Milan owner Jorge Moss expects Messi's arrival to have on the franchise's revenue and valuation. 
Last season without Messi, Inter brought in $56 million in revenue. In February, Forbes put the club's value at $600 million. $300,000 plus. The reported boost to Apple TV's MLS season passed subscriber base after Messi signed with Miami. In early June, the service reportedly had 700,000 subscribers. By the time Messi debuted against Cruz Azul on July 26, that number had grown to more than 1 million. Fourth, Miami's current rank among all U.S. pro franchises in Instagram audience. At the end of May, the club's social following looked like this. Instagram, 1,062,319. TikTok, 814,000. By mid-August, th- the, those followings looked like this. Instagram, 14,408,741 with an increase of 1,256%. TikTok, 6,600,000 with an increase of 711%. jump in the secondary market price for the inner Miami matches on SI tickets after Messi's arrival. Before July 15th, those seats averaged $378.13. From July 15th to August 11th, they spiked to $608. The increase was driven by interest in Miami's road games. Average tickets at DRV PNK Stadium rose from $309.27 to $341.18. Miami Road Games from $437.16 to $836.71. Show him the money. That $500 million free agent deal he's about to sign, Shohei Otani's economic barrier breaking goes way beyond that. You don't have to be an Angels diehard to know Shohei Otani is a unicorn. No player, not even Babe Ruth, has combined hitting and pitching excellence as he has. And you don't have to be a contracts nerd to know that Otani will soon be in a financial class by himself. As a free agent this offseason, he will likely sign the first $500 million deal in MLB, the NL. NFL, the NBA, or the NHL. Less well-known, Otani is already the highest single-season earner in Major League Baseball history, and not because of his $30 million a year salary. According to a Forbes report, he takes an estimated MLB record $35 million from endorsement partners this year. The next highest 2023 total in MLB, Aaron Judge's $4.5 $4.5 million. The non-Otani record is believed to be $6.5 million by Bryce Harper in 2021. Otani's total compensation for 2023 is $65 million and is an all-time high in the MLP. Otani has become a marketing colossus in the U.S. 
He has partnerships with New Balance, Fanatics, and Tops, among others. And in his native Japan, where he is sponsored by a cosmetics company, a pharmaceutical and Seiko, according to sports marketing tracker sponsor United, 22 company brands advertised at Angel Stadium during the 2022 season. Last October, Katsuhiro Miyamoto, an economics professor at Kansai University in Osaka, released a study estimating Otani's economic impact. Accounting for things like tickets and merchandise, broadcasting rights related to Otani, and travel by fans to his games, Miyamoto gauged the Otani product for 2022 to be around $337 million. We are thankful to live in the same area where we can witness Otani's greatness, the professor wrote. That goes for the accountants as well as baseball fans. Playing the long game. Julian Lewis is the next big thing. The Carrolltown High sophomore quarterback was coveted by the biggest programs before he committed to USC. In many states, the 15-year-old would already be cashing in on his NIL. But in his home state of Georgia, he has had to wait. For once, the spotlight seemed faint, save for a half a dozen onlookers. Some 126,000 fewer people than follow him on Instagram. The Carroll County Schools Performing Arts Center, 1,100-seat auditorium, sat empty as 15-year-old Wunderkind, quarterback Julian Lewis, and a trio of his Carrolltown High teammates, all clad in sports coats and slacks, fielded questions on stage from a southern-drawled media contingent. Lewis's brown and blonde curls bounced, and his braces glinted as he met earnest questions about toughness and teamwork, with platitudes about toughness and teamwork. The August 1 Regional Media Day event likely marked one of the final times in his young life that his words will be parsed not by a national audience, but instead by a smattering of radio listeners in this placid track 50 miles west of Atlanta. In 17 days, Carrolltown season opener would be broadcast on ESPN2. Four days after that, he would commit to USC. Just as he had been coveted by recruiters and coaches, he remained so by brands, desperate to associate with a teenager who could offer them hard-to-earn cachet. Julian's anonymity was dwindling by the day. Though he seemed to blend in with the players representing 10 local teams who were paraded on the stage, he is decidedly not their peer. In 15 games last year, he produced the most staggering freshman season in Georgia's robust high school football history, amassing 4,118 yards passing and 48 touchdowns as he led Carrolltown to the championship game in the state's highest classification, 7A, which serves as a feeder system for the mighty SEC. He was crowned Max Prep's National Freshman of the Year and was the first sophomore in the touchdown club of Atlanta's near-century-long history 
to be named to its preseason All-Star team. But it's a prize just out of the six foot one, 190-pound quarterback's grasp that truly separated him from the others on stage. That summer evening, the endorsement deals he's been offered and turned down. According to Donald Woodward, an attorney advising the Lewis family, Julian has passed on more than seven figures worth of deals. Now that the NCAA has lifted its prohibitions on athletes earning money from their names, image, and likeness, the debate has found its way to high schools. Georgia remains one of the 19 states that don't permit high schoolers to profit off their NIL. So while other top high school stars can start stockpiling nest eggs, Julian, known best as Juju by the masses, must bide his time. His family, of course, could chase riches by moving to a more permissive state. But Julian's father, T.C., enrolled his son in Carrollton's school's system two years ago specifically for the coaching and for Julian to be forged in one of the toughest high school football classifications in the nation. T.C. has essentially made a million-dollar wager that his son's long-term prospects will be best served by focusing on his development as a player. As TC likes to say, keeping the main thing, keeping the main thing, and rather than sit in front and center in the auditorium that evening, TC watched from the atrium outside, wary of being a distraction. He said, did he do the right thing? I think he did all right. TC would later simultaneously ask and affirm well aware that Julian's ability to maintain his poise during the external obligations demanded of transcendent quarterbacks will perhaps soon be just as vital as his ability to work through progressions as the pocket collapses. On stage, Julian echoed his father's mantra about football remaining his primary focus amid the hype. Keep the main thing the main thing. He assumed local radio listeners and perhaps himself, as he assured everyone. For a 15-year-old would-be millionaire and the father who has invested so much in his development, carving a deliberate path step-by-step, step, the main thing may soon grow much more difficult to define. When Julian's preschool teacher asked her students to put their toys away, Julian tended to hurl them into the appropriate cubby. Instead of admonishing his son when he learned of his behavioral quirk, T.C. set about finding ways to enhance his progeny's hand-eye coordination. That preschool disposition eventually morphed into nightly throwing sessions with a miniature football in a hallway at home. To end the drills, Julian had to make 30 throws in perfect form. T.C., too, had been born into sport. His father, Ty Lewis, was a high school football coach in New Jersey. Today, a Thanksgiving game trophy is named in his honor before dying from leukemia in 1990 at age 41. When T.C. was 14, T.C. went on to earn a scholarship at UConn to play offensive line, but he lost his passion for the game in Ty's absence and left the team. So the family football legacy would eventually be passed on to Julian, T.C.'s only son of his five children. By the time Julian was seven, 
he could whiz a youth football 25 yards, so TC created an Instagram account for his son, highlighting his exploits. Photos of a diminutive Julian, hair cropped, posing with trophies, soon peppered the page. Started putting in work when I was five years old, reads a September 2015 caption. When Julian was eight, TC placed him under the tutelage of independent quarterback coach Ron Ville, who also trained the likes of Trevor Lawrence and Justin Fields. The duo often worked in a lonely field by an Austell, Georgia church, and Julian says he mastered the humid hours spent mastering his craft, rep after rep after rep, outside the view of smartphones. I like getting better alone, he says. Julian's parents had divorced, and when he was 10, his mother moved out of the state and out of his life. T.C. retained custody of the four children. With the three older girls now out of the house, Julian and T.C. live with his new wife and their six-year-old daughter. It was also around that time that T.C. stepped away from coaching Julian as the pair realized that T.C.'s demand for football perfection didn't mesh with the pliability fatherhood often necessitates. Too often, Julian says, tensions from the field bled into their home, so the duo set boundaries that endure to this day. I felt like he needed to start hearing other voices, TC says. TC, who has a steady career in financial technology sales, spends thousands of dollars every year, including Ville services, entry fees for a slew of leagues camps, and tournaments, and the cost of traveling across the Southeast to compete and visit, visit college campuses, not only on Julian's development, but also on developing awareness of his son in the right circles. The quarterback with perfect foot fit, footwork and a propensity to fit the ball into tight windows turns heads at every stop. He stood out because he was a third grader and didn't throw or hold him Self or approach it like a third grader, says Richmond Flowers III, founder of the Elite Quarterback Collective Camps. He struck you as a prodigy. TC, TC's eyes well up when he considers how much he has poured into his son and what Julian's talents portend. I put blinders on and drive forward, he says, tears tumbling down his cheek from under a black cap, pulled low. There's no shortcut. Two years ago, Joey King received a call from a number he didn't recognize. Today, he's glad he answered it. King, who coached Lawrence at Cartersville, Georgia High, as he marched to two state titles, had just taken the Carrollton coaching job. At the time, TC was shopping around, hoping to find the right coach and the right system to complement Julian's skill set. Impressed by King's scheme and how he maximized Lawrence's talents, T.C. told him they were planning to move Julian to Carrollton for 8th grade, that it was worth the 45-minute drive every day from their home west of Atlanta. Julian was eligible under a Georgia public school exception that permits some students to commute to nearby districts. Julian has spent the previous year at Pace Academy, a well-regarded private school in Atlanta. But T.C. realized he had to prioritize football above all else. 
if a kid is trying to go to Harvard, I need to have him enrolled in that kind of school tease, he says. But if he's trying to go play at Alabama, Georgia, wherever, then let me put him in AP football. Julian has flourished in King's honors level classroom. By spring of 2022, the 14-year-old freshman had chased off upperclassmen quarterbacks on Carrollton's roster. They transferred out and earned the starting nod. I knew immediately he was going to be special, King said. We've put a whole lot more on Julian than we did on Trevor. Julian brought more than just talent with him to Carrollton. In January 2022, having been enraptured by a documentary on Tua Tagaviola's development, Julian and TC reached out to Scotty McKnight, the film's producer and a former standout receiver at Colorado. Early conversation on Instagram evolved into a plan for McKnight's team to shadow Julian throughout his high school years. The project has since been sold to HBO and Warner Brothers, and it will chronicle the entirety of Julian's high school career. For now, Julian will not be compensated, though he and TC believe the benefit to his personal brand could be immense. As he started to pile up gargantuan stats, leading previously unranked Carrollton to an undefeated regular season, some teachers at the school began to ask for autographs. College coaches laid siege. 95 came to spring workouts this year, while McKnight's camera crew loitered about. In the state championship game, Mill Creek crushed Carrollton 70-35. Despite the lopsided result, Julian threw for 531 yards, a state record, and five touchdowns against a defense laden with defensive Division I talent. The performance had solidified him as one of the best high school players in the country. But he retreated to the sideline medical trend in the tent in the third quarter because he couldn't keep his tears at bay. For all his efforts, he felt he had let the seniors down. While he tended not to mind the documentary crew's presence, he did not want to sit in front of the camera the next day and relive the game. Still dutifully, he understood interviews like those, as uncomfortable as they may be, are as essential to the job of being Julian Lewis, phenom quarterback, as the touchdowns he tossed the night before. So he gamely answered questions despite the pit in his stomach still wrestling with images of the Solon Seniors, another lesson in AP football's modern curriculum. This July 4th, Julian and TC agreed to a $5 bet during a Carrollton fireworks show. If fans approached and begged for a photo at least five times, Julian would have to pay up. Incredulously, Julian wagered on anonymity or perhaps manners carrying the day. Once the last boom had thundered overhead, Julian sent his father $5. He posed for 11 pictures. You can tell when people are looking at you, but people try to do their best not to harass me, he says. Of course you feel the eyes. In a few years, likely sooner, Julian should be able to earn that $5 back pretty quickly. As soon as the Supreme Court struck down the NCAA's NIL rules in 2021, College athletes began to monetize their brand, mostly via social media. NIL consultant Bill Carter says athletes' accounts 
tend to boost triple the engagement of run-of-the-mill online influencers because their digital brands are built on a foundation of real-world achievements that fans can follow. For corporate brands, a more engaged audience means a higher return on investment. Athletes are really crushing social media influencers on that stage, Carter says. Until the Supreme Court decision, high school athletes had to avoid endorsement deals to maintain their college eligibility. With those consequences no longer in place, some state high school associations began amending their bylaws to permit athletes to cash in without losing their eligibility. A new market was born. While, while high school deals predominantly net athletes free gear or nominal sums, top athletes and stars like Julian stand to benefit from major national campaigns. Marketplace icon source have emerged to help connect brands with athletes. Its CEO, Chase Garrett, cites sports apparel companies like Under Armour that need a mechanism to easily target their next generation of buyers. In December 2021, an 18-year-old California, Jaden Rashada, signed what is believed to be the first NIL deal for a high school football player, landing four figures to promote a recruiting app. Around the same time, TC began fielding offers from brands. Every month, more states began permitting high school athletes to ink NIL deals, but Georgia wasn't among them. So TC enlisted Woodward, the sports and entertainment attorney, to help him navigate the unexpected new terrain along Julian's meticulously hewn path. Woodward was familiar with the nuances of NIL thanks to the years he'd spent on the USA track and field legal team and understood how to advise prodigious young talent, his firm having done the same for the likes of Atlanta-born rapper Lil Yachty. Far sooner than anticipated, TC was presented with a considerable return on his painstaking investment, but that would require leaving Georgia. Certain that offers won't appear by the time Julian reaches college, father and son never seriously considered it betting on Julian's health and that Congress and the NCAA won't regulate college NIL spending in the meantime. Given the violence and uncertainty inherent in football, it's a considerable risk. But Woodward has advised the Lewis family to focus on sharpening Julian's skill on the field while building a brand in parallel. Julian now manages all his own social accounts aside from X, formerly Twitter, which TC runs. Thanks to some design help from friends, the posts are simultaneously polished and authentic. Slick graphics touting his stats and the list of colleges he'd considered before USC. A bit of humor and videos of him rubbing shoulders with the likes of Fields. On top of his 126,000 Instagram followers, Julian has more than 36,000 on TikTok and more than 23,000 on X. Our job is to try to keep his life as normal as possible and let him enjoy his process and get better, Woodward says. We know that everyone's watching, and I know that he knows that by far he's done a good job of just remaining focused. Maintaining focus in the social media age is no simple task. 
Several fake accounts bearing Julian's name emerged in recent months, spreading vicious rumors about his high school dating life. Some fake posts garner hundreds of thousands of views before they're flagged and removed. Most people have problems throughout the school, Julian says, but usually it doesn't go to the whole country. Media psychologist Pamela Rutledge says the sort of social media attention that accompanies fame and NIL money can be tremendously rewarding, but socially and financially, but also potentially treacherous. She recommends young athletes and influencers like Julian proactively avoid deriving too much self-worth from their online brand. Easier said than done. Plus, she says, the scrutiny of hundreds of thousands of anonymous digital eyeballs can make it difficult to learn from mistakes when any small misstep is met by public shame instead of a private lesson. TC has told Julian that he ever, if he ever gets a speeding ticket, the incident may wind up on Sports Center. Having watched Lawrence grow up in social media, King understands well the perils that await Julian. There's leeches everywhere, he says. Earlier this year, Woodward drove nearly two hours south of his Atlanta home to attend a Georgia High School Association board meeting. Pulling aside Executive Director Robin Hines to explain how NIL could benefit athletes and families in the state and perhaps make sure that future Julians don't leave it altogether, Hines has since been lobbying the state educators and legislators to make Georgia's rules more per permissive. The group's executive committee will weigh whether to amend the relevant bylaws in October. They are widely expected to do so. In that case, TC and Woodward say they will scrutinize each offer rather than grab every available dollar steadfast in ensuring that Julian's talents on the field aren't eroded by the burgeoning opportunities and demands off it. If he can set himself up, his life is different before he leaves high school, Woodward says. The pressures of finances and what he might want to do are eliminated, so long as you put some of that money away. Between summer two-a-day practices, Julian retreats to his beige carpeted room in the rear corner of a modest new craftsman home with a football-shaped doormat. Despite the pigskin kitsch, Julian insists that he and his father don't spend hours talking shop between practices. For Julian, aside from watching film, football doesn't exist under the roof. It's his refuge from the unpaid job of being Juju Lewis, the phenom, the brand, the superstar. Instead, inside those quiet confines, he can be Julian, a 15-year-old kid who adores his girlfriend and video games. The family relocated here in June to be closer to Carrollton High, so his room remains largely unadorned. In a corner rests a well-worn gaming chair and a TV, flanked by an Xbox and a PlayStation 5. He boasts that he'll soon have a PC for gaming, as well. He likes to play Fortnite and Madden online with other top recruits around the country. He's met at camps, their friendships forged over a shared understanding of the spotlight's blessings and burdens. Julian doesn't exude cockiness, only quiet confidence that the goals he has long worked towards, the only ones he has permitted himself to envision, 
are nearly upon him. No matter Georgia's decision on NIL, I don't want to be steered off of what my path is or what my goal is. I want to be an NFL player. I want to be the best player of all time. I'm not focusing on money right now because in the future I know perfectly my kids and kids' kids are going to be solid on everything. I've come too far and have done too much to worry about that right now. He said a few days before his braces were scheduled to be removed. I'm going to have it one day. He waited until after football season to apply for his learner's permit, and he'll do the same before he earns his driver's license this winter. Once more records are broken and wins are accumulated, he'll take a driving test. Just as seemingly everyone else in his orbit does, a DMV worker will study his every move. Knowing that moment is fast approaching, Julian stayed up until 2 a.m. one night this summer, scrolling through pictures of a matte gray Mercedes-Benz AMG C63 and salivating over its black rims, red brake calipers, and foreboding grill. Fully loaded, it costs $100,000. If he lived in California or Louisiana or Tennessee, that Mercedes might already be sitting out front on the home's bleached white concrete driveway. Yet he lives in Georgia and understands that mountains of work await. For now, as ever, football must remain the main thing. Even so, some nights, the nation's top quarterback prospect can't pull his gaze away from that sports car, sifting through photos of his future and wondering just how soon it might arrive. Fraudway, a new film examines a troubling deception by Mark Bechtel. BS High on HBO, streaming on Max. In August 2021, Bishop Sycamore's High's football team got thumped by IMG 58 to nothing in a game televised on ESPN. During the broadcast, it became clear that something was amiss with the Columbus, Ohio school, which boasted a roster of Division I prospects. A little digging revealed that Bishop Sycamore wasn't even a real school. BS High drills down on the scam, allowing the former coach, Roy Johnson, who described himself as the most honest liar that I know to justify his action. Spoiler, he doesn't pull it off. It's a fascinating rumination on the pervasiveness of money in sports. It's a captivating expose of a scam. But above all, it's hard. This wraps it up for the sports news from Sports Illustrated for Sunday, September 24th, 2023. Your reader for today has been Jerry Clem. Thank you for listening, and now please stay tuned for further programming here on Radio I. Heartbreaking. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at chumpacasino.com. Welcome to the family. VGW Group, no purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. See terms and conditions, 18 plus.